this is Jesus, the pattern son, an attempt to give you sonship doctrine that is faithful and fulsome, which is to say a go at it that's biblical and orderly. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm going to give you a teaching on the blood moon. We've just had one, and it's a big deal. And I just don't know anybody who's giving a fulsome teaching. I know you will enjoy it, but it really does have a point. And unlike other preachers, I'm going to actually cite other people who teach this so you can know that this is a solid teaching. Okay, you're f- probably familiar with the idea of a blood moon. It's a lunar eclipse that makes the sun look red. We had one on May the 15th, 2022. May the 15th, 2022, a few days ago. And that was on Second Passover, otherwise known as Pesach Shani. We'll talk a little bit about what that is because that's not well known in Christian circles. And then finally, the next blood moon is going to be November the 8th, 2022, the election day in the United States. Obviously, this is a big deal. Obviously, this is a message from God. Are we getting the point? The point is we're hanging in the balance. You know that, right? <laughs> and I'm, if you stick with me to the end, I'm going to give you some solid action points. Action items. Now, you probably heard about the blood moons because we had a series of four in 20. 14, 20, 15, and some big name preachers talked about it, had books on it, and so forth. But I'm not sure that we got the point. So, since I've launched into that, hang with me for a minute. Let me cover that briefly before we go to scripture. John Hagee, who has a large church in San Antonio and a broadcast ministry, wrote Four Blood Moons, colon, Something is About to Change. And Mark Biltz, along with Joseph Farah, wrote Blood Moons, colon, Decoding the Imminent Heavenly Signs. Now, I will have to admit that I have not read these books. However, I did hear about the blood moons at that time, and the conversation that I was hearing was from Jonathan Kahn, which was certainly a message of warning to the United States. Okay, and I remember sitting out, we were actually sitting in someone's pickup truck in a street in Texas, so we could have a good unobstructive view and we watched in awe and I was ready to see the judgment of God in the United States and that's not exactly what happened. Nothing happened right then but do you remember what happened in 2015? 2014, 2015 time frame? The big thing that was happening 
nationally that I knew about and was watching was the candidacy of Donald J. Trump. And this proved to be a great boon to the United States and certainly much has transpired since that time on a whole train of events. So uh, this was an opportunity for righteousness and prosperity and many took the opposite road and we are now in a different administration with uh, lack of prosperity and uh, we've had pestilence and we've had a lot of very unusual things happen since that time since those blood moons no one could deny that okay so let us work toward understanding what these signs in the heavens are trying to tell us this is a message from god and incidentally somebody has put out a podcast with that title lance wall now has done i think a little better job at helping us understand the blood moons and he has a podcast lance wall now and his podcasts are readily available so signs in the heavens god is sending us a message okay so let's go to the clearer message that we know so there are three basic places where we hear about blood moons joel 2 and 3 acts 2 verse 20 which i believe is harking back to joel and then revelations 6 and verse 12 also mentioned somewhat in passing in ezekiel 3 i'm sorry ezekiel 32 and 7 and following which is a lamentation over egypt and isaiah 13 and 10 which is a lamentation over babylon clearly those two are judgments over world empire that were harming the Israelites. So let's turn more toward the ones that we understand as being end times and that that may reflect and certainly our understanding of it would reflect. But let's turn first to Joel. And I would recommend that we read it in the New American Standard and that we read the whole chapters of 2 and 3. Normally, verse um, 2, 10, 2, 30, and 3, 15 are pulled out. 2, 30. But it's going to be a lot harder to figure out what's going on if you just pull a verse out of context. But 2, 30 uh, and 31 is, I will display wonders in the sky and on earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Okay, but let's read verse 32. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Do you see? Okay, so assuming that we mean a blood moon and not the moon actually turning to blood, 
this is the great and terrible day of the Lord. And I remember, I remember sermons when I was a little girl, that the day of the Lord is great for the good and terrible for the bad. Because God makes a distinction between his children and those who hurt his children. God knows the difference between good and bad. And so when he comes, when Jesus shows up, that's judgment for the evil and it's great deliverance, salvation, and glory for those who are looking for him. All right? Doesn't that make sense? Let's go. That's Joel 2. So let's go forward then to 315. Joel 3 and verse 15 is, The sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. But let's read 14, 15, and 16. And yes, please go and get your Bible and read both of these two chapters in their entirety. But I assume that you all will get tired if I try to read it to you. But okay, so Joel 3. And let's start. It's hard to know exactly where to start. Maybe 11. Uh, hasten and come all you surrounding nations and gather yourselves there bring down O Lord your mighty ones let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations verse 13 put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe come tread for the wine press is full the vats overflow for their wickedness is great verse 14 multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the lord is near in the valley of decision verse 15 the sun and the moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness Verse 16, the Lord roars from Zion. He utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Verse 17, then you will know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. And then it goes on to be talking about Judah will be blessed. Do you see very clearly the sun and the moon growing dark and the stars losing their brightness is tied with the valley of decision. Yes, there is judgment, but yes, there is refuge also. Okay, so that's Joel, the second chapter and the third chapter. Let's then go to Acts 2. Acts 2, and what we see here is Peter is speaking on the day of Pentecost. So you understand that many people had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Shavuot, which we say in English Pentecost, and the Spirit fills them, fills the people in the upper room, and Peter stands up and addresses these Jews from all over the world. And to understand 
Okay, so the verse here is Acts 2 and 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. But let's, again, let's get this in context. Back up to, um, well, really it starts in 5 and it says there are a lot of Jews there from every nation under heaven and lists a, a bunch of nations. But let's go to verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, this is the last of the list. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God, verse 12, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying they are full of sweet wine. Why is it that so many people were in the streets, and why was it that they listened so readily to Peter? It has been suggested that they were already in great perplexity because they saw a blood moon on Passover, 50 days before when Jesus was crucified. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, was the sacrifice. So when we say Passover in English, we are thinking about the, the death angel coming and passing over the houses that had blood on the doorpost. That's what that's the image that we have when we in English say Passover. It's passing over that we're we're fine. Right? When a Jew talks about Pesach, they think about a sacrifice. Okay? So our Passover lamb was sacrificed. And there was a blood moon. The, the, the sky was darkened, remember? And if you were a Jew, that would get your attention. If you were a Jew in that day. And now we're at the day of Pentecost. And another unusual thing is happening. We hear in our own tongues the speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and in great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? And Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to, to them, Men of Judea and all you live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So Peter is quoting what we just read and it shall be in the last days God said that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my bond slaves both men and women I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so all of that except and they shall prophesy is a quotation. Okay, directly. Okay, and then verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and sign which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know this 
man delivered over by the predetermined plan of foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power for David says of him. And and he goes on and preaches and finally says, Therefore, let, verse 36, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, or Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, verse 38, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Okay. So what do we have here? We have a great gong to transpose it into sound. Repent. You're in the balance. Judgment and rescue is here for you choose rescue and then lastly let's go to Revelation 6 and 12 and this is talking about the sixth seal terror and when he well the New American Standard puts that rubric in 6 and 12 I looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood okay so the he is an angel here and okay and so uh, verse 13 and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Verse 14, And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. Verse 15, And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand. But just before that, we see the martyrs, okay, in heaven. Okay, so, yes, blood moons are about judgment. But at least until... The one where the sky splits apart and every mountain and island is moved, then there is repentance. In fact, we know that as long as there is a today, there is repentance. And so that's the point. And if we get only one side or the other, we're not getting the point. And some Bible hacks want to simply make fun of the prophets and the writers and try to discredit eschatology at all and say, well, we, we 
shouldn't be talking about eschatology because in time teaching because we don't know the day or the hour. Do you see that completely misses the point? That's misdirection. So let us pay attention to what scripture says because God is good and his word is truth. So we're taught in the Bible that signs in the heaven are meaningful. We saw that when we had the series of four, that subsequently to that we had a series of worldwide very unusual happenings. But we would like to know more than something is going to change. Because something did change, didn't it? We would like to know what to do. Well, it's very clear that the what to do is repent. Repent because the judgment and the rescue of God is here. And if that's not enough for you, Lance Wall now is pulling out some teaching from D. James Kennedy and notice that the blood moon appeared in the constellation Libra, which is the scales of justice. I don't think we need all of that to understand. We're being weighed in the balance. We meaning humanity and we meaning the United States. We are being weighed in the balance. We know that the blood moon means repent. We know that the blood moon is saying that the great and the terrible day of the Lord is coming and that this is great for the good and terrible for the bad and therefore repent and get on the right side. This is a very important message and it needs to be heard clearly. It needs to ring in our hearts and we need to speak it in our mouths too. Now, in the United States, we know that we're hanging in the balance. We know that we're in deep trouble culturally, governmentally, economically, and in the church, too. The church bothers me more than the rest, but we are fighting for our lives as a nation. Many people wiser than me have pointed out that we may be under a curse because of the significant slaughter of the innocent. Just quickly let me mention a few scriptures like Deuteronomy 19 and 13. Thine eyes shall not pity him, but thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with thee. And um, Psalm 106, 38 and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. And how about Joel 3 and 19? Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. Anyway, I don't easily see the one that said that there is a curse on the land for innocent blood but anyway that's the idea and so some 
who have worked for this for a long time are, are really praying. We've had prayer in front of the Supreme Court of the land because the strange ruling, <laughs> illogical ruling of Roe v. Wade is being reconsidered. Notice that some people sing and pray and worship and other people act like demon demons yelling uh, and screaming and carrying on uh, in front of people's houses. But anyway, so that's one. Another is what we teach our children. Do we, when we rise up and sit down and go in and come out, do we teach our children to do the right thing? Do we even know what they're taught? I could go on. I think you understand what I'm saying here. Where are our hearts? Where are our eyes? Where are our ears? Are they toward God? Have we loved the truth? Or have we been so mixed up ourselves that we've been easily deceived? We're hanging in the balance. Well, I imagine you, if you've listened this far, are a Christian. Call yourselves Christian or Torah observant, or you wouldn't listen this far. So you intend to be toward the Lord. Let us all repent and be closer. Let us all turn our eyes more diligently to the Lord. And so here are some action items. First, let us repent in our heart this minute. But also let's put this word in our mouth. We need to say repent. We need to say that word, repent. We need to say judgment and rescue. We have been intimidated into being so polite that we have lost our voice. And this doesn't help anyone. Say our peace. Civilly, yes, but say our peace. Because we're called to share the gospel. That's good news. We have good news. So that's one. Two is let us pray. I mean, really, we need to get on our knees. I know I've been sleepy about this. Others have been complacent. Others engage in a more ritualistic prayer. And that's maybe better than nothing. But if it acts as a, a diversion from real prayer, then it's dangerous. Let us really pray. Let us pray that God grants repentance to our leaders or removes them. Let us pray that judgment is once again founded on justice, which is righteousness. Justice and righteousness is the same word in Hebrew and Greek. And that's the word of God. Let us pray for our courts to be non-corrupt, that judgment once again be founded on justice.
And let us pray really seriously for our leaders. And there are no more important leaders than their church leaders. Think about it. In the past, what, three years, we have had, what, I can't count more than fingers on one hand the the church leaders who have stood up and provided leadership perhaps i'm ignorant perhaps there's two hands worth i know a lot of pastors i don't know very many who offered any leadership even to this day when it came to the pestilence when it came to the election when it comes to anything even Bible teaching let us pray for them because they lead us we're in deep trouble serious prayer so one is repenting and talking about repenting and judgment and rescue and the second is praying seriously we need to get on our knees in fact maybe write out the prayer instead of just anyway really pray and three is take some action you know faith without works is dead and it has been a lie from the enemy that anything other than church work is politics and we don't do politics politics only means how things are decided and if we cede that to the devil then the devil's in charge of our nation and just because there will be a seven-year period when the devil is pretty much in charge three and a half through deception <laughs> it doesn't mean that as long as we're here we should just lay down and invite that to come early because until that time that's assuming you 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 have that that timeline but we're here now and the bible very clearly says the wheat and the tares grow together wheat are you growing wheat is your head up wheat <laughs> or are you just going to let only tares grow and choke out the wheat is that what you want for your children? So let's be involved in how things are decided. It may say that whatever station you should remain in that. But if you are a slave and you have the option of getting out of slavery, you should do that. But if you are born into a society where you have the rights privileges and power to help decide what are you doing giving that up and becoming a slave that's not New Testament thinking if you're born in a free country you ought to take up the duties of citizenship and that means inform yourself and vote that means be part of the decision-making process get trained get trained in your church if your church has a session or a board that you can serve on 
maybe it's the Sunday school board, maybe it's the uh, board of deacons, however your church is operated. Learn how to serve and lead there and then go out and do it in the wider society. Do you know what's going on in school board? Do you know, I realized that if you have a child in, in the public school, you're very reluctant to speak against the corruption and the misdirection because you know your child will get a backlash. And then if you don't have a child in school, you're intimidated from participating because you don't have a, school, a child in school. So what should you? But wait a minute. If you live in that city, if you live in that nation at, that has a public school, you're going to have to live with the results of that public school. It's your tax money that funds those public schools, and it's your children and grandchildren that are going to have to live in there. So you need to participate and not be intimidated one way or the other. School boards tend not to have anybody attend them. All of their meetings are open. And there are laws about that. Their meetings, well, there may be some that have to do with individual personnel. But basically, we have open meetings, laws, and yet people don't come. And that's usually the first step in a political career. That's a first step in a political engagement. And then there's City Hall. You'd be surprised at what goes on at City Council meetings. And then do you know what's going on at the state level? And you would be surprised. You would be surprised. People say one thing on their ads and when they get elected, and a whole other thing is what they do when they're in office. That's common. And they can get away with lying to you and stealing from you and taking your rights away if you don't pay attention. Faith without works is dead. Yes. So to recap, repent and call other people to repentance and rescue. One, two, pray like your life and the life of your children depend on it. Pray for your leaders and especially church leaders. And three, get engaged. Faith without works is dead. So what I'm talking about is action. Civic engagement. Take up your civic duty. Oh, well, I'm not a political person. Oh, so you just agree with the devil ruling you. Because that's what you're saying. No, if you are a citizen of a democratic republic, then it behooves you. I mean, it's your obligation to be an informed citizen and to vote properly. Meaning, vote based on an informed informed and truthful information right and i realize that's a big task so get engaged make a team with other people maybe you can follow education somebody else can follow economics okay and get trained understand the rights and privileges granted to you by god as we agreed upon in the Constitution and the limit to our government 
that it's made in the Constitution. God gave you rights and all, all humans' rights, and we f- agreed to have a limited government. That's the way it works in the United States. That's, that political philosophy is based on the Bible. In contrast to other governments that are, you know, snake slobber man has decided he's going to grant you rights so he can take them away and he, he can act like a tyrant and you can act like a peon. Well, may they find repentance in God because the other method has always proven to be much more prosperous, much more happy. Okay. All right. So that's the blood moon. It's a big message in the on the biggest billboard that we know of. God has put these signs and wonders in the sky. He is giving us God is giving us a message. It's explained in the Bible. Go and read Joel the second chapter and the third chapter and find where you fit in there. And remember that no less than Peter on the day of Pentecost is quoting it. And when God goes to the extent of lining up the blood moons with the Jewish feasts, you got to know that's important. So in this case on May 15th, 22 is it was lined up with second Passover. So where does second Passover come in? That's numbers nine and six, where anybody who was contaminated because they'd run into a dead body and couldn't celebrate Passover with the the people of Israel could do there. And so now a month later, that second Passover and the Jews celebrate, all of the Jews celebrate it by eating matzah on that day. And the rabbis point out that God gives second chances. <laughs> all the rabbis preach on that day, God gives second chances, that there is teshuvah, that there is repentance. So how much more can God say, this is a day of repentance? And one rabbi this year preached that nothing is impossible because God always gives second chances. Hallelujah. Reminds me of somebody else called a master rabbi. (laughs) Nothing is impossible. And our nation and our churches can turn around. But it's time for repentance. God has really made this, I mean, gone to some extent to plan all of these blood moons, lining up with these feast days after the centuries. And then the next one is November the 8th, our election day. God help us. The United States was formed with a covenant with God. Covenant with God with the Mayflower Compact and that was renewed by Witherspoon who was a clergyman 
that the founders knew and whose writings they read. This nation was founded with a covenant with God. Hallelujah. I'm glad God remembers because most Americans do not. But let us thank the Lord for the covenant, the eternal covenant (laughs) with Abraham fully ratified and made with the blood of Jesus, the Messiah, the great lamb, the resurrected one, the coming king. And it looks very much like we're in the end time. It looks very much to me like we're in the end time. Anyway, I'm going to be doing some repenting, some praying, serious praying, and some action. Join me, won't you? Please be invited to write us at sister at jesuspatternson.org. That's sister at jesuspatternson.org. Or you may write us by land mail at P.O. Box 971, Cedar Park, Texas, 78630. That's P.O. Box 971, Cedar Park, Texas, 78630. And may the Lord bless you.